Art imitates life, succession, what the blockbuster series tells us about the media world we live in. No mercy for the mercenaries. The Russian media turned their back on one who speaks out of turn. And working the local beat in India, the governments and corporations that get in the way. Hello, I'm Richard Gisbert, and you're at The Listening Post, where we dig into the coverage and analyze how news gets reported. In 16 years of producing this program, we've never led with a story about a work of fiction, until now, because succession has taken the zeitgeist by storm. The acclaimed HBO TV series has just ended after leading us through the toxic world of the Roys, a family fighting for control of its elderly father's media empire. That the story is partly and at times largely based on the Murdoch family adds a hard news angle to a pop culture phenomenon. And the series gets at some real-life media issues. It slams corporate news outlets and the people running the show, news channels like Fox News, oligarchs like Rupert Murdoch. Sometimes a work of fiction can hit home the way a news story simply cannot. With Succession's finale finally behind us, we look at what the series was really trying to tell us, that something has to be done about the dangers of corporate media and people like the Murdochs. They can't believe what we did. So true. Something everyone knows, but nobody says. Succession has provided us with a glimpse of a world of wealth and power and this tiny group of people that can make and unmake presidents and prime ministers. Picking the next president. Selecto o presidento. That's not, that's not really how it works. Yeah. No. Sure, but yeah. We've had kind of like anti-hero shows before where you see a good person eventually go bad. Um, whereas in Succession, everyone's just kind of horrible and selfish from the beginning. Complacent, you're fired. You're all fired. Idiots. The writers say it's not directly about the Murdochs, but there's so many similarities between the Murdochs um, with the three children involved in running parts of News Corporation and Fox um, and the Roys. You don't have a business strategy, Dad. Your whole business model is... Uh is based on seducing presidents. And, you know, by the end of four seasons, you've really come to hate all of them. Unless you've muted all of your feeds, you will know that Succession, the award-winning dramedy that had audiences watching and critics gushing around the world, has come to an end. It was a four-season run that took viewers inside the twisted, sordid world of the Roy family an ever-so-thinly-disguised version of the Murdoch media dynasty. Fans are conducting post-mortems on the final episode of a series that gave them a peek under the hood of corporate media, put a face to the tycoons behind the wheel, and satirized how they steer news coverage and narratives for the sake of profits and power. This is entertainment, but I think it's the kind of entertainment that's meaty enough that it gives you something to chew on and think about. Uh, I don't think creator Jesse Armstrong set out to do a primer that's disguised as uh, great entertainment. He wanted to make a compelling drama that was darkly comedic. He has a very dark critique of the way our media works. What are people? Like... They're economic units. I'm a hundred feet tall. 
these people are pygmies. But together, form a market. Okay. You mostly see the, the Roy family talk about media as a, as a tool for something else, normally to accrue more profit or to accrue more power. That's very reflective that the corporate media is not really a force for good. And that the only way that it thrives and survives is probably by scaremongering and being reactionary rather than providing some kind of a good democratic function. I am back. You better believe I'm back. The show's producers say that Succession is based on more than one family, that the character Logan Roy is a composite of three media barons, the 92-year-old Australian Rupert Murdoch, the late Robert Maxwell, who was British, and Sumner Redstone, an American who died in 2020. The Murdoch moments are hard to miss. Remember when he testified at that British judicial inquiry in 2012 over his reporters hacking into people's phones to dig out news stories? This is the most humble day of my life. Succession's Logan Roy had strikingly similar things to say when questioned by the US Congress. Well, that was the worst day of my life. Like the Murdochs, the next generation of Roys, three of them are positioning themselves for what comes next, fighting over who gets the throne when the patriarch passes it on or passes away. They've already inherited their father's ruthless streak. Their cutthroat ways are captured in their nickname for the daughter, Siobhan. They call her Shiv. For the Murdoch-controlled Fox News, there's ATN. For Tucker Carlson, a character named Mark Ravenhead. For Donald Trump, there's Jared Mencken. And there's a storyline that mirrors the misinformation invading the coverage of American electoral politics, the kind that recently cost the Murdochs hundreds of millions of dollars, settling a lawsuit launched by Dominion Voting Systems. Episode 8, American Decides, was incredibly chilling because it really did show the world um, in which television had this power to influence events, where Roman, um, one of the sons, calls the election for Jared Menken, the far-right neo-fascist leader. If we don't call it early and he wins anyway, which is perfectly possible, but without us tonight, think about that. Season four was sort of playing out as Fox was facing its defamation suit with Dominion voting, um, in which it ended up paying $787 million because of things that were said by some of Fox anchors, including Tucker Carlson, who subsequently left. And what we saw in the evidence through the Dominion case, the discovery process, when it came to the stolen election claims, nobody believed it at Fox News, not the Murdochs themselves, uh, not the uh, leadership of Fox News, not the anchors. One part of what's kind of faithful and compelling about the Succession series is the portrayal of an ultimate cynicism. The market is the justification for the editorial line. Sure, I didn't make human nature, but I do know what they read and what they watch. The series spends relatively little time focusing on the editorial side of the ATN story the kind of news content it puts out, devoting its energies to the internal fight for power instead. And it provides glimpses into the real-world endgame for the younger generation of Murdochs on who will succeed their father. 
Rupert's elder son, Lachlan, who shares his father's politics, is in pole position. His siblings, James and Elizabeth, are on the outside looking in. And the fight to be the real successor could prove to be as messy, maybe even as compelling to watch, as it was on succession. Holding on till death, like Rupert Murdoch, like he's still exercising quite a bit of power, isn't he, at the helm, even though he's 92. So maybe also like Logan Roy, he doesn't feel like any of his children measure up. I love you, but you are not serious people. Um, maybe they feel like they could never do what he's done. Um, and I think that's part of the ego, I think, that often comes with these media moguls. Lachlan wants it, but what Fox did in the aftermath of the 2020 election would be a mortal stain uh, in any other kind of network's history. There has been a massive and coordinated effort to steal this election from we, the people of the United States of America. What was revealed during the Dominion defamation suit and the need to spend almost $800 million to pay off a company that you needlessly defamed, these are real issues that can be thrown back at Lachlan. So you may see the danger games play out among the Murdochs uh, when Rupert relinquishes at last control. Rupert Murdoch has said he has not watched the series. It sounds like his lawyers have. Murdoch's just gone through his fourth divorce, and it's been widely reported and yet to be denied that the settlement agreement banned his latest ex-wife, Jerry Hall, from speaking to anyone at succession and feeding them storylines. Beyond the personal dramas that hook viewers in, it takes more than that to keep them there to turn succession into the sensation it has become. The secret sauce is the bigger picture. The author Kurt Anderson, in an op-ed for the New York Times, put it this way. The reason succession resonated so profoundly was that the blurring of fiction and reality in the world the characters inhabit was a devastating commentary on the blurring of fiction and reality in the world we viewers inhabit. The fact that even the conservative right-wing members of the Roy family are so contemptuous of what they're putting on the air, just as so many of the key people at Fox News were deeply disparaging of the intellect of the people that they purport to serve. Uh, you know, journalism, to be worthy of the term, needs to aspire to much more than that. We need more writing. We need more analysis of the media because one thing the media really needs to do is hold the media to account and because nobody else is there to do it. To Moscow now and the Kremlin's mercenary-in-chief, Yevgeny Prigozhin. Prigozhin's been taking some pot shots at Russian generals for their failures in Ukraine. Now he says he's been banned from Russia's state-controlled airwaves. Minakshi Ravi has been following this story. Richard, Yevgeny Prigozhin, who bankrolls the Wagner mercenary group, recently dubbed himself Putin's butcher. His forces have been a key component in Russia's ground war in Ukraine, but the relationship has grown complicated. This week, following a drone attack on Moscow, Prigozhin went on Telegram, his communication platform of choice, and aimed an expletive-laden message at Russia's military and political elite. <laughs> Вы 
It's just the latest in a series of outbursts criticizing Russia's military brass. Prigozhin says he's now paying the price for that. He claims state-controlled news channels that once lauded him and his forces have effectively been banned from reporting on him and Wagner. He still has ways to get his message out. A network of media sites and telegram channels, content that praises him and his mercenary army while denigrating his opponents. Last week, Prigozhin sat down for an extensive interview with pro-Kremlin blogger and political operative Konstantin Dalgov. Dalgov then posted a video saying the Prigozhin interview got him fired from the online media company he worked for. Then he deleted that clip. It's all more evidence, as if we needed any, that it doesn't take much to land in the Russian media's bad books, no matter who you are. Thanks, Mina. To India now, where reporters have the odds and the authorities stacked against them. Many are not paid enough, and their salaries are often linked to the advertising revenue they attract, not the journalism they produce. Reporters outside the major cities know that should they come up against political leaders or big corporations, their employers won't necessarily stand by them. That has a chilling effect. The Listening Post spoke with two journalists working in states that national media outlets tend to shy away from. Anuradha Basin is in Jammu and Kashmir, a contested region wedged between India and Pakistan. But first, we hear from Kamal Shukla in Chhattisgarh, a mineral-rich state where citizens and journalists are suffering at the hands of corporate interests. So, तमाम जो है जो मुख्य धारा की पत्रकारता है उसमें जो है सारे कार्पोरेट घरानों का कब्जा है तो क्यों अपने खिलाफ समाचार चलाने देगी तो कुल मिलाकर यह है कि मुख्य धारा की पत्रकारता में बस्तर और तमाम आदिवासी इलाके चाहे अंबिकापुर हो चाहे छत्तीसगढ़ के तमाम वो आदिवासी इलाके हों उनकी खबरें बिल्कुल नहीं आती है वहां के आंदोलन की खबरें नहीं आती है राष्ट्रीय
लोकल जर्नलिस्ट के लिए यहाँ मतलब सर, केवल खतरा सरकार से ही नहीं केवल खतरा माओवादी से नहीं केवल खतरा जो तस्कर हैं जो स्मगलर हैं और जो भ्रष्टाचारी हैं उनसे खतरा नहीं सबसे बड़ा खतरा उनके साथ तो उन मीडिया संस्थानों से है जो उनको जोड़ के तो रखी है मगर जो वही पत्रकार जब आप जेल में चला जाता है उसी पत्रकार के साथ जब वारदात होती है मारपीट होती है तब आपका मीडिया संस्थान साफ साफ कह देता है कि इससे हमारा कोई वास्ता नहीं ऐसा मैं खुद भी भुक्त हो गई हूँ पत्रिका में था तो मेरे साथ जब मारपीट हुआ था एक मंत्री के इशारे पे वन मंत्री के इशारे पे पत्रिका ने ही मेरे को सब्जेक्ट दिया था कि मैं उस वन मंत्री के खिलाफ खबर करूँ लगातार तीन या चार बार मैंने उसको खबर चलाया मगर जैसे ही जब विधानसभा सत्र आया और विधानसभा सत्र के आने के तुरंत बाद मेरे को संपादक की तरफ से दबाव पड़ा मालिक की तरफ से दबाव पड़ा कि मैं खबर रोक दू तो मैंने वो खबर मीडिया में डाल सोशल मीडिया में जारी कर दिया तो फिर मंत्री के लोगों ने मेरे साथ मारपीट की अब ये उसके बाद जो है पत्रिका अखबार ने साफ साफ कांकेर पुलिस को लिख के दे दिया कि कमल शुक्ला से हमारा कोई वास्ता नहीं और दुनिया में दो ही पक्ष होते हैं एक अन्याय का और एक न्याय का एक सत्ता का और एक जनता का तमाम प्रकार की जितनी सत्ता है मैं उन सब के खिलाफ खड़ा हूं हमारे देश में आज मीडिया का जो चल रहा है कि रोज जो जो डिबेट चल रहे हैं वो पूरी तरह से इस मतलब इस स्थिति के लिए आज जिम्मेदार हैं तो ऐसी पत्रकारिता के खिलाफ हूँ आप जो है किस तरह से आप लोगों को जोड़े रखिए आप किस तरह से लोगों के मूलभूत आवश्यकताओं के पक्ष में आप खड़े रह सकते हैं ये है जनता का पक्ष और ये ही जनपक्ष और आप इसके बिना आप आग लग रही है केवल उसको फोटो खींचेंगे तो ये पत्रकारिता मैं नहीं समझता in the national media there's a huge gap between the ground reality in kashmir and what is being depicted puri aashanka jatai thi ki jo kuch kabul mein ho raha hai afghanistan mein ho raha hai wo ek din kashmir mein bhi ho sakta hai aur ab hamari wo aashanka sach sabit ho rahi hai and that has created a certain kind of narrative आतंकवादी चाहते हैं कि कश्मीर में मुसलमानों को छोड़कर किसी और धर्म का व्यक्ति वहाँ ना रहे टू ट्रीट कश्मीरीज एज सेकेंडरी ऐसा क्या हुआ कि कश्मीर में इस्लामिक आतंकवाद की क्राइम फाइल आज तक नहीं खुल पाई it completely froze journalism journalists were operating without internet without telephones what has changed since 2019 is that we see media is less and less free it is more controlled there is an overwhelming sense of fear that uh, most kashmiris are undergoing and that includes journalists It's impossible to do a story today about human rights. 
to say anything critical about security forces, to look at a militancy-related incident beyond the official statement. It's just become impossible to do that. I went to court because the situation was unprecedented. This was violative of fundamental rights. Well, uh, it took another five months, but the court verdict was by and large quite good. They fell short of declaring internet as, as a fundamental right, but it uh, laid down that the government cannot curtail internet for prolonged periods. Now, how it is being implemented is another matter. Plus, it leaves a little ambiguity about what the prolonged period means. Our office was located, like many other newspapers, in a government building. But we seem to have been singled out. And so one fine day they just came, they asked our staffers to move out and locked up the office. The building belonged to the government, but the infrastructure belonged to Kashmir Times. So we've been completely robbed of that. Our offices, which had uh, more than 100 people, today we, we hardly have two, three people just managing to keep it alive. The local journalists are undergoing a huge um, crisis. There is the gun of the militants. There are sometimes mobs that go out of control and start some kind of a moral policing and you have a state trying to completely control media, summoning journalists to uh, police stations for any little uncomfortable story. Some of them are arrested, sometimes for prolonged periods. And this is something that uh, we hardly hear about in the national narrative. And finally, the U.S.-Russian battle to recruit informers that's playing out on Telegram. A couple of weeks back, we ran a provocative video produced by the CIA aimed at potential Russian spies, instructing them on how to get in touch with the U.S. intelligence agency. Russia has now responded with its own video aimed at would-be American informants and operatives. It mimics the CIA's original production almost word for word even throwing in some slightly racist culture war language. It describes Mother Russia as the last stronghold of white Christian civilization. Whatever it takes. We'll leave you now with that reworked recruitment video, and we'll see you next time here at The Listening Post. Is this the life I dreamed of? The path that I have chosen for myself? Why are the lives of some more valuable than the lives of others? And who decides? To be a hero is to endure, but to endure does not mean to endure in vain, does it? The best way to keep a prisoner from escaping is to make sure he never knows he's in jail.
but we do know what our reality is. A reality in which we speak in whispers. But I will live the true life. This is my America. This will always be my America. We will stand. We will live with dignity because of my actions. I will raise the flags of our fathers again.